Workforce for Agriculture. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is a Wednesday? Yes, Mike. It's I Wednesday. Think. Wonderful. It is a Wednesday. I'm Mike Pearson, co-host of the Ag News Daily Podcast, joined by co-host Delaney Howell. Delaney, how you doing today? I'm pretty good. It feels like fallout today. It does. It does. A cool, cold front came through. You know, I wonder if we're going to start talking frost here before mm. too long, but we'll jump into that, I suppose, when we get to the markets here in just a little bit. But in the meantime, we're also joined by Madison Honkamp. Madison, how are you? I'm doing great today, Mike. Well, glad to hear it. That is important. And I tell you what, <laughs> before we get into our interview for the day, why don't we see what all is happening in the world of agricultural news? Delaney, what are the headlines that are jumping out at you today? Actually, the biggest one, since we're talking about weather and maybe the cold front a little bit here, is Hurricane Dorian. We've talked about it. It's been in the mainstream news. Now it sounds like perhaps there is a chance that because it stalled over the Bahamas over the holiday weekend, that Dorian may not make landfall on the U.S. coast, which is great news. Uh, Still waiting to see for sure, but it sounds like now it might fizzle out or just head northward and avoid the U.S. altogether. Yeah, which is great news, especially to our friends in the southeast. You know, we were talking in our office here a little bit ago about, uh, you know, the farmers that would be in the path if Dorian were to go ahead and make landfall there in the uh, northern Florida, Georgia, mm-hmm. South Carolina region. And, gosh, it'd be great if we could just dodge that whole bullet altogether. Absolutely. How about you, Madison? What headlines are jumping out at you? Well, Mike, I actually have an update from the price-fixing and wage fixing claims in the poultry industry. And the lawsuit was actually officially filed last week and does allege that officials from 18 chicken companies and affiliates held annual secret meetings at a hotel in Florida since 2009 to coordinate pay and benefits for line and maintenance workers at uh, over or roughly 200 plants. So, yeah. And I go ahead. And I think beyond chicken, like the beyond meat, um, is kind of taking advantage of this uh, price fixing almost because they are commenting on how you know this isn't okay, and so we'll kind of see how this is gonna play out. Well, sure. I mean, if they weren't involved in it, this is a yeah. Pretty good marketing opportunity to uh-huh. set yourself apart. Because, yeah, the chicken industry has certainly had a spate of, of bad news headlines here over the past couple of weeks. As you mentioned, the price-fixing, wage-fixing one that is now going to court, or at least is now, yeah, filed for court, right? Is that where things stand? Yes, yes. It's been filed. They haven't been, like, in court yet, but we'll, gotcha. we'll probably see that coming with probably within the next couple of months or weeks, depending on the how busy it is but gotcha all right well we'll, we will keep an eye on that because that will be a huge news story if it does pan out um tyson on the chicken side also had bad news they recalled a million pounds of poultry so far this year and they have said this is contributing to slowing their poultry slaughter so they are they're slowing down their lines they're concerned they want to make sure that they keep extraneous materials like rubber and metal out of chicken nuggets, which I think as consumers, we all appreciate as well. I don't want to be biting into a a little nug and have it come out with, you know, a shard of metal in my mouth. But Tyson did say that because they have slowed down processing and they're not running as much poultry through, they have 
adjusted their earnings for 2019 downwards by $220 million uh, because, A, they're killing fewer birds, and, B, the, um, the poultry – or, excuse me, the beef plant in Holcomb, Kansas, uh, that caught fire is, of course, hurting the company's bottom line. And because of this, um, basically shares of Tyson have dropped to $88 or down 5.5% after their CEO's comments earlier today. Well, Mike, another thing that is dropping is the Ag Economy Barometer, which is a study done by Purdue University each month measuring producer sentiment. It dropped pretty significantly in August, falling 29 points uh, to a reading of 124. But over two-thirds of the respondents said that the 2019 MFP program will either completely or somewhat relieve their concerns about the impact of the trade war with China on their 2019 farm income balance sheets. And approximately 60% said they expect the USDA to approve another round of MFP payments in 2020. Wow. So they're counting on more of that, more of those uh, Trump bucks. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Which, you know, if I'm this administration heading into an election year with a trade war still ongoing, I've got a feeling that they're probably going to be right mm-hmm. about that. They're probably going to get paid. Yes. Um, but did um, have some... Oh, I was, I was just going to say, but speaking of Trump bucks really quick here, it looks like the USDA has already paid out $2.5 billion to farmers from this second round of payments. Oh, wow. Wow. So they're getting that money out there pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Well, excellent. Well, we've got uh, some news that isn't dropping, um, and that is planting intentions for next year. Farm Futures did their first survey of the 2020 planting season, and they said that as of this date, uh, farmers are planning to put in 94.1 million acres of corn from the 90 million USDA said uh, went in this year. Um, it would be down from what farmers actually intended to plant if we're looking at FSA numbers this year. So there's you know, a little bit of a discrepancy there. So they're saying uh, corn plantings will be up. They're also saying soybean plantings are going to be at 83.6 million acres, basically at a 9% increase, um, but still below the 2018 high of uh, 89.2 million acres. So basically, growers are looking around. They're seeing uh, plenty of soil moisture. They're seeing a lot of corn ground that can get rolled into beans for this next year, and it sounds like growers are going to take advantage of it. It does sound like that indeed. And you said that was Farm Futures, Mike? Yes, that was Farm Futures. They'll do a number of these surveys. This was just the first one. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. We've got another piece of news I thought was interesting. This report came out today from the Commerce Department. Um, Basically, they found out that uh, the trade deficit with China – uh, did drop 2.7%. Um, excuse me, this is the trade deficit total came down 2.7%. It's at $54 billion. Exports have picked up a little bit. Imports fell a little bit. And uh, that is you know, something that this administration has wanted to see for some time. This is really the first time the trade deficit has dropped since President Trump took office. And um, the Trade deficit with China, however, um, actually increased 9.4%, uh, which is the highest since January. Imports from China jumped 6.4%, and exports fell 3.3%. So basically, we've got 
American companies rushing to get in orders probably ahead of the tariffs, so they're kind of front-loading a little bit, so maybe that's why we saw imports up so much. And China still continues to scale back on purchases of American goods, so that's why we see the exports fall as much as they did. And, uh, you know, we continue to see that trade deficit with China expand, despite the uh, Trump administration's best efforts, I suppose. Yes. Well, adding to the increase in exports could be ethanol coming up here. We saw on Sunday the official announcement that Brazil is increasing its tariff rate quota for U.S. ethanol. They are raising it to 750 million liters or about 198 million gallons before the 20% tariff is slapped on U.S. ethanol. But Ethanol producers or folks here in the U.S. say they're not quite happy with that number because they expect a, they expect no tariffs. And they said this, this is a good step in the right direction, but realistically, they're not going to be happy until we have no tariffs in place on U.S. ethanol headed over into Brazil. Sure, sure. That makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. every industry wants uh, no tariff access to another country's market. That's just kind of what they're, they're fighting for. Absolutely. And uh, we're seeing mm-hmm. the fight continue on the USMCA trade front. And back at the end of July, a group of House Democrats sent the Trump administration a list of demands to change in the USMCA agreement before Congress left town for their August recess. They're back in business now, back in action, and they said they still have not heard back with a formal response from the U.S. Trade Representative's office. But uh, they said they're committed to renegotiating a strong deal. They just have some things they want to get put in place first before they give it their okay. Oh, boy, and I wonder what that's going to mean, because renegotiation would Mm -hmm. take us back to Canada and Mexico and kind of start the whole whole process over again. Yeah, I I pulled up some of their, I pulled up the letter, actually, um, and it looks like a lot of it is process-related. There's some stuff related to medical and medicines for workers coming into the United States, wages, environmental concerns etc etc so i'm thinking it looks a lot of it is tied to what's going on with like the border issues right now mm-hmm. oh well that makes sense this would be a that would be a hot topic to throw into this discussion right it doesn't well, sound actually, like that's going to be done by 2020 nope and that's what they also <laughs> At said all. yeah nope yeah. so we could probably see that come up a lot in a, in um campaigns Yes, I think you're right. I think this will be a campaign talking point on both mm-hmm. sides about either just getting it done, getting what we have passed, or pushing to make these reforms before the thing does get passed. So, yeah, I've got a feeling we'll be hearing a lot more about USMCA as these political campaigns get started in earnest and they start making their way to you guys mm. in Iowa. Yeah, lucky us. Or more of them start at least coming to Iowa. Yeah, at least we're starting to small in the pool, less in the pool of candidates, so... I appreciate that. Right, right. Then it's a little easier to keep track of than the 30 mm-hmm. people scampering around Iowa day. In, you know. Right, right. Well, speaking of the USMCA, we had an update from uh, Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Ag Affairs, uh, uh, Ted McKinney. Um, he's been running around Indiana, his, his home state there, talking with farmers, holding some roundtable discussions about it. And he's been really trying to hype up some of the 
benefits that USMCA would bring to agriculture. He said when this process got started, the plan was just do no harm, don't uh, don't hurt ag's competitiveness that was get picked up during the NAFTA negotiations. And uh, McKinney says that they've done better. He said, quote, one of the big ones, of big advantages, is more dairy access. He says we've brought down the unfairness, some might even say cheating, that Canada was doing with the creation of two new classes of milk and milk products. He says, I think we've got better access for wheat. There is some poultry in uh, in in you know Indiana, and he goes there is an with absolute certainty greater poultry access to Canada and, and Mexico, and is this brand new chapter that was never in NAFTA on biotech and the biosciences. So this is the first time a free trade agreement has incorporated those two topics, and uh, he's pretty excited about it. In fact, he's he's excited, and this just kind of cracked me up. He said the the chapter on biotechnology and biosciences is a quote dandy hmm okay well that's very fitting which is yeah a fun way to describe it i think okay that's very fitting for today yeah that's very fitting for today because we have actually a new field reporter out in california david larue was able to catch up with Deputy Secretary Steve Sensky talking about promoting USMCA on his trip around California. So do you guys have any other news or should we get to the markets and get right into that? Let's jump into it. Yeah, let's jump in. All right. Well, let's take a quick look at the market, see where things wrapped up for the day. And we've got some mixed trade on the grain side of the ledger. Corn was down, beans and wheat a little higher on the day. September corn closed lower by three and three quarter cents at 346 even. December contract down two and a half, wrapping the day at 358 and a half. Soybeans uh, carried forward yesterday's strength. The September contract up six cents at 862 and a half. November up seven to finish the day at 875 and a half. And wheat, nice little uh, kind of a turnaround Tuesday here on this Wednesday in the wheat market. September was up nine cents at 456 and a quarter. The December up seven and a quarter to finish the day at 460 and three quarters. Looking at livestock, we had mixed trade in the cattle complex. October live cattle down 25 cents at 9902.50. December down 75, finishing the day at 103.5750. Feeder cattle caught a bid today. September contract up a dollar 40 at 135.55. The October up a dollar 32.50 at 133.42 and a half. And in lean hogs, we've got mixed trade with the October up 60 cents at 67.12 and a half. December down 60 cents to finish at 65.22 and a half. Taking a quick look over at the dairy market in Class 3 milk, that September contract was up $0.07 cents at 1779 and the October down 9 at 17.55. Without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation today with uh, Undersecretary Steve Sensky. Well, I'm here today uh, in California and uh, specifically here at the at the J. Lower Winery uh, doing an agriculture roundtable with Congressman Carbajal. Uh, and uh, it oper- was, provides a great opportunity for me to meet with him, with the local producers that are here, uh, farmers, growers, uh, and to hear what their priorities are so I can take that back to Washington. You know, certainly I heard uh, and have heard during my travels here in California how important the labor issues are, uh, making sure that we can find a, a path to having a legal and stable workforce for agriculture is extremely important. Improvements in the H-2A program, which we're working on, 
extremely important. The importance of demand building uh, also heard uh, both both domestically but as well as internationally. And we have a number of programs through the Department of Agriculture to help promote not only California wines uh, but other products as well. My hope is that we can continue to build demand because that's what it's all about. Is we have you know wonderful farmers, we have a very efficient agriculture industry here, uh, and we need to continue to build that demand both domestically as well as internationally. The USMCA is very important for California especially. How can we get uh, Congress to get this thing to a vote uh, considering it's uh, the leadership in Pelosi that's actually holding it up here in California? Well, we're very hopeful that we can, you know, continue to push. I mean, because it really is a great agreement. The USMCA is a great agreement for California, for California agriculture, and we just need to get it passed. Um, and I think it's uh, people like Con Congressman Carbajal uh, that can take that message to Speaker Pelosi um, and that we need to get a vote here in the next month or two. Do you see compromises as being uh, some of their avenue of holding it up? And if uh, are, there are compromises, will that negate Mexico having already ratified it? You know, I think w that is kind of the art of the art the, the, of, of what they're trying to achieve. Uh, Ambassador Lighthizer has been engaging, I think, in very good faith, and with in very good faith, I think, uh, from the Speaker's office and some of the lead Democrats that she has, uh, trying to find that that uh, address some of the concerns um, that they would like to see further addressed. Um, but the clock is running out, and we need to bring those to a conclusion in the very near future. Can we use the Japanese and the EU agreement structures to get the leadership Pelosi and, and the rest of the caucus that's not supportive of it right now on track fairly quickly? Well, I think the uh, the framework agreement that we've reached with Japan is good news uh, as well for agriculture, um, but it doesn't it doesn't take the place of, and we still really do need to get the USMCA passed, and that is. Uh, priority uh, number one, that Congress should be at the top of Congress's agenda here over the next uh, month or two. For the United States and California in particular, the USMCA is more important than China right now. What can USDA do to uh, you know, push Congress as a whole to get this thing ratified? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. If you take a look at uh, uh, California's goods and services exports to Canada and Mexico, it's over $48 billion. It's 20% of total U.S. exports are going to Canada and Mexico, and no other state has, more, has a greater stake in making sure we get it passed than California. Well, again, that was Deputy Secretary Steve Sensky out on his California tour last week promoting USMCA. And David also had the chance to catch up with U.S. Representative Salud Carbajal, who is California's 24th District Representative, also talking about some more individualistic things impacting that part of California. David LaRue with American Farmer Ranch News. Really talking about USMCA and, you know, how it's being stalled in the House yeah. right now. Okay. You see in your district the agricultural need for this, especially in California. What needs to be done to get uh, the leadership and uh, Speaker Pelosi to get this thing to a vote? Well, Mexico's come to the table. Where are we at? Well, as I understand it, there's a working group that uh, Speaker Pelosi and uh, Mr. Um, uh, Richie Neal from um, 
the Ways and Means have put together. And they're actually working hard to try to find a solution to bring everyone together. I'm hopeful and optimistic that we can address the uh, enforcement language issues pertaining to environmental and labor issues that um, seem to be at the heart of, of the dissent or, or the slowdown. There's obviously the biologic pharmaceutical compact that is of concern because it may not lend itself to continued cost reductions in pharmaceuticals uh, as in prescription drugs like we all want to see happen. But I'm hoping that everybody can come together and we can find a solution because certainly it seems that uh, the USMCA, is uh, NAFTA 2.0, seems to be a lot better than uh, the first NAFTA or 1.0, uh, which seems to provide a lot more opportunities for agriculture here on the Central Coast and in California as well. The, the points that they're stuck on with uh, wages and environmental and, and the pharmaceutical, a lot of those are something that might be able to be sorted out along the way in the application of it. But if we toss them out and redo the whole thing, then Mexico's going to back off. They've already ratified it. Uh, Canada's in the middle of a recess for their elections coming up, but they're on a fast track this fall to, uh, to ratify it. Are we that close, or are we still uh, months away? You know, I, I'm, I'm not really sure about the time frame, but I'm hopeful that they're working diligently and that they, uh, sooner rather than later, uh, move this forward because uh, we will lose the momentum. And the momentum is key in sustaining, I think, the type of collaboration you need to have to be successful. Well, and the momentum is hugely important to agriculture as a whole. Absolutely. Especially in California where our perishable crops, you know, don't have a storage capacity. So they need to go to Canada Absolutely. now. They need to go to Mexico now. And that's what's more important here. More uh, you compared to the Midwest where you have a storable commodity, exactly. here everything is perishable. Like you said earlier today, it's a salad bowl. It's got to be on the table now. Absolutely. And, you know, Japan's opening up. The EU's opening up. But our biggest markets have always been and still are Mexico Canada and, Canada. and Mexico. Exactly. And those walls seem to be pretty stout right now. I, I will tell you that I... Uh continue to be an advocate of everybody coming together and coming up with a solution. I think, uh, you know, I have a district that depends with the number one industry is agriculture. And it's really important that we try to come together to solve this issue because for me it's, it's uh, a high priority. Can you get together with your colleagues around California that also have, you know, agriculture as a high priority area Absolutely. and maybe sit down with the leadership and let them know that you know not only is the, the, the clock ticking, but the, the crop is rotting in the fields. Absolutely. And the as economic you know, impact is huge. As you know, I serve on the Ag Committee, and many of my colleagues from California sit on that committee as well. And um, we continue to have that dialogue, and we'll continue to do so. Well, I appreciate it, and appreciate you coming to Pass Robles today very to uh, work with us. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you it's, it's, it's great to be here. All right. Well, big thanks there for those two interviews. Lots of interesting things happening out there on the West Coast, Delaney. Absolutely, Mike. There always is stuff moving and shaking all over the United States and globally in the world of agriculture. 
There sure is. And I tell you what, listeners, if you want to keep up to date on if you want to get caught up on some of the past issues in the world of agriculture that we have touched on here on the Ag News Daily podcast, be sure to check out our past episodes. Go to our website at agnewsdaily.com. That will take you to our new home at the Global Ag Network, home to us and a myriad other fantastic agriculturally focused podcasts. They all want to get your thoughts on what they're bringing to the table. So be sure to tune in and listen to them all or Interact with us on social media. Check out Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Ag News Daily. We shall appear as if by magic, and then we want to hear from you. What is happening in your part of the country, and who else needs to hear about it? What can Ag News Daily do to help promote the agriculture in your part of the world? Be sure to reach out for us, to us. We want to hear from you. And with that, Madison Honkamp, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.